1: Welcome, beloved family. I'm so happy to be with you. We had to run um, encores the first three days, but I'm here now and forever, we pray. This is a most, most, most special day. Um, It is the Feast of the, three Feasts in One, the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord in the Temple. Purification of the Blessed Mother and Candle Mass, celebrating that the light of the world has come for us at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. Um, it is, even though we're Benedictine, um, or maybe because we're Benedictine, it is our number one feast. It is, in, in my heart, uh, Luke chapter 2, the most magnificent verse, passage in Scripture, Um when the blessed Simeon, the aged Simeon was told that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And according to uh, the Mosaic law, um, uh, the um, parents needed to bring the child uh, to the temple. They brought him at eight days for circumcision, but at 40 days, Women under the law needed to be purified in the temple and bring an offering for that purification and In this case, it was two turtle doves uh, could have been could have been a lamb could have been um, um, I forget what else at the moment, but uh, Joseph and Mary brought two turtle doves um, and their and their little Christ, the consolation of Israel, the hope of the whole world. And Simeon and Anna were at the temple, and Simeon saw hundreds of hundreds of couples come to the temple um, daily, and he was told that Luke chapter two tells us that the Holy Spirit told Simeon that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah, the Anointed One, and by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God, he recognized Yeshua. Jesus the Messiah in the arms of his blessed mother Mary, uh, walking together with Joseph as he carried two turtle doves in a little cage. And Simeon went up to them and he took the blessed child in his arms and held him up to God and said, Okay, I can die now. Dismiss thy servant in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He was holding the world's salvation in his hands, which thou hast prepared before all men, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to thy people, Israel. Why a light for revelation to the Gentiles? Because back in Isaiah, God gave the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, their mission to be a light to the Gentiles, the entire world, every nation. And Israel kept failing. But when Messiah came and he poured, he died, he rose again from the dead, died for our sins, rose from the dead to give life to all who will come to him, established his church on Israel, on the foundation of prophets and apostles, and um, told Israel, once he poured out his spirit on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, he said to his disciples, now you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. Now Israel had the power within them, God within them, to carry out a mission that they had been given previously, but failed to carry out. Now in the power of the Holy Spirit, they would preach the gospel to every creature and to every nation. And so that the scene with Simeon is is so utterly precious because all of Israel was waiting for the Messiah. It was the time, according to the prophecies of Daniel and others, for the Messiah's coming. And in fact, many false prophets, many false messiahs arose in that day. I am the Christ. Christ is simply the English for Messiah through the Greek. Mashiach in Hebrew, Messiah translated into English. And then Christos in the Greek, Christ in English. It's the same word. It's not his name. He is not Mr. Christ. He is Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. The anointed one. The redeemer. The savior. And this scene in the the temple identifies him as a light. A light the light of the world a light for revelation to the gentiles the nations and glory to thy people israel why glory to thy people israel because israel was formed by god from abraham on to uh, provide the seed through which all nations of the world would be blessed genesis chapter 12 uh, god took abram from ur the chaldees and said through your seed abram Abram meaning high and honored father, he would change his name, God would change his name to Abraham, which means a father of many nations, and Abraham through his son Isaac, through Isaac's son Jacob, through Jacob's son Judah, and through the family of David, who came from the tribe of Judah, all the way to Christ, which is why when the angel Gabriel came to a 15-year-old girl, Jewish maiden, um, she was from the the tribe of Judah, and the family of David, and she would be the one who would bear the Messiah, the consolation of Israel, the hope of the whole world. And um, according to the Mosaic law, a mother, I'm reading now from, um, let's see now, uh, the New Advent a Catholic Encyclopedia, and it begins, according to the Mosaic Law, a mother who had given birth to a man-child was considered unclean for seven days. Moreover, she was to remain three and thirty days in the blood of her pur- purification. For a maid child, the time which excluded the mother from sanctuary was even doubled, but this was a man-child. Our Lord Jesus, when the time Forty days was over. The mother was to bring to the temple a lamb for a holocaust and a young pigeon or turtle dove for sin. If she was not able to offer a lamb, she was to take two turtle doves or two pigeons. And the priest prayed for her, and so she was cleansed. This is straight out of the book of Leviticus, chapter 12. And forty days after the birth, birth of Christ, Mary complied with these pre, this precept of the law. She redeemed her firstborn from the temple, according the temple, according to Numbers eighteen, and was purified. Um, and some people say well why did jesus uh, why did mary need to be purified if she was born without sin meaning the not the virgin birth but the immaculate conception she was born without sin and she without original sin and she never did sin. So why did she need to go to the temple to be purified? For the same reason, our Lord was baptized in the Jordan. John the Baptist looked at him and said, no, no, yeah, I don't need to baptize you. you need, I need to be baptized by you. And our Lord Jesus said to John the Baptist, let it be done to fulfill all righteousness, even though Jesus was without, without sin. And this was a baptism of repentance. He said, let it be done to fulfill all righteousness because our Lord, as his mother Mary, was born under the law, under the Mosaic law, and he kept it perfectly. So he was purified and brought to the temple, and Mary also was purified in the presence of Simeon and Anna. Um, And this event... The first solemn, I'm reading again from now from Advent, New Advent, the first solemn introduction of Christ into the house of God was in the earliest times celebrated in the Church of Jerusalem. We find it attested in the first half of the fourth century by the pilgrim of Bordeaux. um, And um, it was kept by a procession uh, to the Constantinian Basilica of the Resurrection. the feast had no proper name at the time. It was simply called the 40th day after Epiphany. This latter circumstance proves that in Jerusalem, Epiphany was then the feast of Christ's birth. See, and that's when he became, he became known. He was always, but he became known as a light to Revelation, light of Revelation to the Gentiles, the 40th day of Christmas, Christmas, beloved, begins on Christmas Eve, December 24th, which is the beginning sundown of December 25th, and it ends today, beloved. That is tradition. I know many people take down their Christmas day, some the day after Christmas, some the feast of John the Baptist, others um, at Epiphany, but traditionally the end of Christmas was the full 40 days until Mary's purification in the temple and the presentation of our Lord um, when the light of the world was revealed. And even this morning at Holy Mass, we read Luke chapter 2 and uh, uh, lit all the candles and uh, had a a tiny procession in the church because it's raining and freezing out here even in Texas Um, but the light of the world has come and from Jerusalem the feast of the 40th day spread over the entire church uh, and later on was kept on the 2nd of February since within the last 25 years of the 4th century the Roman feast of Christ's nativity December 25th was introduced um, oh, there's all kinds of history in this article that I won't read through. According to the Roman Missal, the celebrant after tears sets. Um, let's see, there's Matins and Lord's Prime and Tears, the fourth office of the day. Um, uh, he blesses the candles um, and I won't continue this. I will, right after the break, beloved. I'll continue this magnificent... Um, magnificent tradition. It's so very beautiful. Um, We'll be right back after the break and take your calls after the second break. Call in with anything on your heart at any time, toll free 1-877-511-5483 or you may email it mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Hello, beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app
2: The Station of the Cross is listener-funded, and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. Bumper magnets are a great way to promote the gospel as proclaimed through Catholic radio. We hear all the time from new listeners who were introduced to the station through a bumper magnet. We'd be happy to send you a bumper magnet so that others can come to know our Lord. Just go to thestationofthecross.com and find our bumper magnet request button under the about tab. That's thestationofthecross.com under the
0: about tab.
1: Purification of the Blessed Virgin, and the Presentation of Our Lord in the Temple, and Candle Mass. They're really three feasts in one, and I'm going to read here from a website titled Catholic Culture. It's a good and reliable website, beloved Catholic Culture, and it, it normally contains readings, and explanations and homilies, both for the Novus Ordo and the traditional Latin Mass. And it reads now on the, um, talking about the end of the Christmas season, which the traditional uh, Mass celebrates today. Most Catholics recognize the end of the Christmas season ends with the feast of the baptism of the Lord which occurred in the ordinary form uh, on January 10th and the extraordinary form on the January 13th. But there are Catholics who claim that it is still Christmas and will last until February 2nd, which is today, commonly referred to as Candle Mass, or the Feast of the Presentation, or the Purification of Mary, uh, In the, um, according to the Law of Moses. The claim is twofold. One, the Christmas season parallels the Easter season, that is, both last 40 days. So Christmas is 40 days from December 25th until today, February 2nd. This extended Christmas season is traditionally what the church did and celebrated prior to the changes of Vatican II. But the Christmas season's ends, um, let me just see, um, Ah, uh, there's a different different understanding here. I don't want to um, I don't want to mix us up here. So let me let me go back. I didn't read it beforehand. Um, let me just see if I can find something else for us. Um, all right, traditionally called Candle Mass. So some people see it as three fe- feasts. Some people see it as one feast presentation of the lord in the temple the purification of the blessed mother and candle mass it really is three feasts in one um the blessing of candles takes place before the mass um and then the mass continues uh let me just see so much of the liturgy for the Feast of the Presentation echoes the Feast of Christmas, but also expresses the expanded manifestation of Christ as celebrated on the Feast of Epiphany. Previous infancy narratives from the Gospel included the Canticles of Mary, which is the Magnificat, and Zachariah, the Benedictus, both speaking of the gift and glory of God's people Israel. Simeon's candle, the Nunc Dimittis, echoes the Epiphany, where we celebrate how Christ came for all peoples, Jews and Gentiles, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people Israel. You know, um, I'm not going to continue reading here because there's so much to read, but I want to um, point out or emphasize from my heart that the Messiah came from Israel by God's design for Israel, as Paul writes to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16, he came for Israel, from Israel, for Israel, for the whole world. People say, well, the gospel went to the whole world because the Jews rejected Christ. No, they didn't. If the Jews rejected Christ, we wouldn't have the church today. The church was founded on Israel. Everything on the apostles and prophets, read Ephesians 2.20, read the book of Acts, The Last Supper, our Lord celebrated the very first Mass when it was the Last Supper called the Last Supper because it was the Passover of the Old Covenant that our Lord had with his disciples as he told them to go and prepare the Passover in the upper room. The reason it's called the Last Supper is because it was the last Passover supper of the Old Covenant and the very first supper of the New Covenant where Jesus took unleavened bread that they were instructed to take in Exodus chapter 12. Matzah, unleavened bread, wheat and water, and he held it in his hands. It was called in the Passover the bread of affliction, and he held it in his hands, and he said, this is my body. And just as when he created the world, he spoke the world into being, let there be light, and there was... When he said, pronounced over the bread the words, this is my body, bread like the sun in all creation, obeyed him and became his body. And when he picked up the chalice of wine and said over the chalice, this is my blood of the new covenant, which will be shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. He said, this is my blood and wine obeyed and became his blood. And St. Augustine and others say, this was the first Mass, the first Mass, and you say, but it was before his death and resurrection. That's right. God is outside of time, and, uh, and what he says, what he performs, he does. This is my body, broken for you, and it became his body at the Last Supper, and um, The church, there were all Jews there, those disciples at the Last Supper. Nobody else, the disciples. And 12 of them. And then Judas left. So there were 11, and Judas was replaced um, in Acts chapter 1 by Matthias. Um, And they were all Jewish. And they were his disciples. And they became the first apostles. And they were ordained bishops. And they ordained priests and spread the gospel to the four corners of the world. That is to say, dear ones, Christianity is Jewish. Its roots are Jewish. Read the book of Romans. Read especially chapter 11 or 9 through 11. The the God has saved um, the whole world through the Jewish people. They are the vine and we are the branches. And if the Jewish people have turned from him in part the promises that they will when the fullness of Gentiles come in they will be re-grafted into the vine not every single Jew but those who believe and with the Gentiles they are the branches and they've been grafted into the vine The Jew and Gentile Ephesians chapter 2 might become one one people in God. They remain Jew and Gentile, but the Jews who are truly followers of Christ are Catholic, meaning universal. They are part of the church, Israel founded on the Messiah and spread to the four corners of the earth. They are part of the church founded by the Jewish Messiah. Jew and Gentile are one in Christ. So one can be a Jewish Catholic or a more properly, a Hebrew Catholic. My brother David is the president of the Association of Hebrew Catholics all over the world. And it's not called Jewish Catholics in his association. There's nothing wrong with that term except Judaism is no longer the religion. If we practice Judaism, beloved, we deny the advent of the Messiah who came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it, but to fulfill the law. And in fulfilling the law, he went from Judaism and a people that he formed for himself through Abraham to spread the gospel to the entire world, universal, Catholic. So you could be a Hebrew Catholic or a Gentile Catholic. Gentile simply means, it doesn't mean not Jewish, it means everybody else. The word Gentile means nation. So Gentiles are the nations. There's two people in the world, Jews and Gentiles. God did it. Nobody else did it. He did it. And so I'm a Hebrew Catholic, and those who are not part of the people uh, directly from Abraham, you are um, a Gentile Catholic. However, you are the middle wall partition is broken down. And you don't come to Christ based on whether you're Jewish or Gentile. You, You come to Christ based on your faith in him. And we are one people in him. One church in him to reach out to the entire world, Jew and Gentile alike. So every everything, beloved, that's Catholic, has its roots in Judaism, in the Old Covenant, not the Judaism of today, not post-Messianic Judaism, not the Judaism that developed following the Messiah, unless you're speaking of the Church, which is as Jewish as you can get. Um, but if it's apart from Christ, um, it is, it is apart from God, apart from salvation. God established his people and spread those people to the four corners of the earth. And we need to preach the gospel, every one of us, to every single creature. Luke wrote, there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, Acts 4.12. No other name, beloved, except the name of the Messiah, who is Yeshua HaMashiach, jesus the christ and today is the celebration of his presentation in the temple by his mother mary and his foster father joseph under the law of moses and mary's purification from having born him who was without sin under the law of moses they both obeyed it perfectly as did joseph it's a beautiful beautiful history beloved um, if we don't know uh, the roots of our faith, we're, we are robbed. We are robbed of its fullness and its beauty. What a beautiful feast today. And last night, even though we're in Texas, it was very cold, 30 degrees or below, and the ice on all the trees, we had a blackout because of that for six hours. So no heat, no electricity, and we celebrated in our Priory um, uh, candle mass and the feast Of the purification, the presentation of our Lord in the temple, the way Jesus and Mary would have done. They didn't have electricity either, just with beautiful candlelight. We had a beautiful dinner, beautiful prayers, um, evening prayers, Vespers, and Compline, all candlelight. Tremendously beautiful, beloved. So, whatever's on your heart, um, we're coming up against a break. Jesus is the light of the whole world, the Jewish people, And the entire world, every single creature, if you're Jewish, if you're Muslim, if you're an atheist, if you're Protestant, um, there's one people that God established, the people Israel, fulfilled in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, which is the Catholic Church, 2,000 years old. It is the only church our Lord established, beloved, and everything that's come from that church or come separate from it is a truncated faith and will not save. Only Christ saves and only through the church that he established. If you have any questions, beloved, anything on your heart, call in toll-free 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. and we'll be right back.
0: Going through crisis, little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before.
2: If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 2nd. Today we celebrate the presentation of the Lord. Forty days ago, we celebrated the birth of Jesus. Today, we mark the presentation of the infant Jesus in the temple. According to Mosaic Law, a woman was considered ritually unclean for 40 days following childbirth. At that point, she was expected to present herself to the priests at the temple and offer sacrifice to mark her purification. Actually, anyone who had brushed against mystery, birth or death, was similarly excluded from Jewish worship. Today's feast is as much a celebration of Jesus' first appearance in the temple as Mary's purification. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus was welcomed in the temple by Simeon and Anna, who acknowledged the infant as the long awaited Messiah. From what we know, the Feast of the Presentation was observed in the Western Church as early as the end of the fourth century, though likely much earlier when gala processions recalled the introduction of Christ into the house of God. In the early eighth century, Pope Sergius inaugurated a candlelight procession as part of the observance. At the end of the same century, The blessing and distribution of candles became part of the celebration, giving the feast its popular name, Candlemas. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day.
0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. I am
1: live. I'm thrilled to be with you. And um, we will take your calls, your emails, your, your, um, your calls. I don't think we can take texts anymore, but certainly your calls and emails. one um, 877 or you may uh, email at mother at com. Again, with anything on your heart, and feel free to call or email. Uh, anonymously, if that's helpful, not an issue at all. Um, okay, now, um, we have an email from Tom, and Tom writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I'm having trouble receiving Holy Communion because of those who receive in the hand. My concern is the particles from the host falling to the floor, causing me to walk on them, which is sacrilege, when I receive Holy Communion. Now I asked the priest in my parish about this, and his answer was, the hosts used at Mass do not shed particles when placed on the palm of one receiving communion or at any other time, nor would the host break into pieces if it did happen to fall on the floor. And Tom says, is he correct about this? No, he is not. I have picked up many particles myself that have fallen on the floor. He is not correct. That is why um, it is proper for there to be a server holding a patent under the one who receives communion to collect the crumbs that fall. Tom says, I know the host does not break. Yes, it does. It certainly can is it is the residue from the host of which i speak the past few months i have become very sensitive to the holy eucharist i have always received kneeling and on the tongue and always thought that the particles are the body of jesus you're right they are but never thought that people were walking on him for some reason at least not until these past few months when it came to the forefront of my mind at mass one day while praying Yes, this is Novus Ordo, and I'm trying to find a way to get out of there and go to a proper Catholic Mass. Could you answer that question for me? I appreciate your time and good work, Mother. Thank you, Tom. Tom, if you can get to a more reverent Catholic Mass, uh, Novus Ordo, many Novus Ordos um, uh, include a patent. They have servers when the priest serves the host. And there's a patent under you. If the server is properly trained, he holds it straight, so nothing is um, nothing will drop on the floor. And then the priest takes it and keeps it straight and puts the particles into the chalice. Um, so you can find a Latin Mass, of course, and you'll be safe, or a Novus Ordo parish that is more reverent, um, You can also speak with your priest. Oh, you already did, and he denied it. Well, he's wrong. Um, He is wrong. Um, uh, You can ask him if if the the servers could hold the pat, could hold the patent. But if he's already told you um, a fable that the host does not, nothing is dropped from the host. Then. I don't think he's going to help you anymore. So I would not cease to receive our Lord, uh, Tom, if you can receive him at that parish, kneeling and on the tongue. I would continue to do that. And as you walk back to your seat, look on the floor. And so you can avoid stepping on particles if you see them. If I, when I see them, I just pick them up. If I see them, I'm at a Latin parish now. But when I go to a Novus Ordo, if that's the case, I always look down and pick up any particles, and I eat them right from the floor. I consume them. Excuse me. Let's see now. We have an uh, email from Michael. Michael says, Dear Mother, I had recently received a book called Science and the Miraculous, How the Church Investigates the Supernatural by Michael O'Neill. And he's currently host of The Miracle Hunter on EWTN Radio, which also airs on the Station of the Cross. When I picked up the book, though, it had the number of the beast on the cover design. He's given me a link where I could see the cover. Should I continue reading it, or is it an evil book? Um, I'm very scrupulous, and this has been on my mind all day, and I was very frightened in Christ. Michael, I'm going to click on what you've, um, what you've given me, Michael, so I could see the cover. Um, okay, hold on now. looking at the cover EWTN is 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 faithful and they have Colin Donovan and others there who would check such things um, I'm looking at the cover now Michael um, by Michael O'Neill um, I don't see any sign of 666 on the cover I um, I don't see it. Uh, Let's just see. I don't know, dear one, what you're referring to um, on the... um, on what you sent to me. Science... I'm just looking with a microscope now. Um, I don't see 666 anywhere. You might. There's an awful lot of small background type or figures of numbers of some kind that I can't make out at all. So um, I, I can't comment further on that. I, AWTN and their um, apologists there are are quite good, uh, and I would trust them. So if you if you think that's the case, and again, I don't see it, um, I would give EWTN a call and ask to speak with them. Okay, Michael dear. Um, Okay, let's see now. Um, I have a note here that uh, Joe McLean has joined the Station of the Cross team. Uh, I know Joe. uh, We've been together in the past. I've been on his programs. He's absolutely wonderful. And um, the note from the Station of the Cross says, Joe will be serving as our content and production director. On Monday... uh uh, monday just passed january 31st he also started our new network produced morning show called a catholic take that airs every wednesday from 7 to 8 a.m eastern time I I said Wednesday. It's every weekday. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, It airs every weekday, Monday through Friday, from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Time. The show serves as a bold synthesis of inspiration and information, with Joe and his assortment of wonderful and insightful guests taking a closer look at news and current events from a courageous Catholic perspective. The Joe will the show the Joe um, the the Joe McLean will also stream live video on our website thestationofthecross.com as well as on Rumble YouTube and Facebook. So beloved, it's already on tune in every weekday Monday through Friday Station of the Cross um, and um, to a, a Catholic take. Uh, Joe McClain is a wonderful, courageous, solid man of God. A wonderful addition to the Station of the Cross. Welcome, Joe. We love you. Um, okay. Um, we have a call from Jim in Pennsylvania. Hi, dear brother.
3: Hello, man. Under Hi. Hi. Uh, my question to you is how how come. <laughs> How can Jesus be presented in the temple uh, 40 days after after he was born when he had to flee to Egypt uh, right after he was born? I know the two Gospels differ.
1: Well, he didn't flee to Egypt right after he was born. Um, it took a while. Here, Here is a... Uh, all right, let me just see. Um, According to the old law, I'm I'm looking at a reference now, Um, uh, in Leviticus 12 and Exodus 13, Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem 40 days after his birth, which is what you just affirmed, to complete Mary's ritual purification after childbirth and perform the redemption of the firstborn. If we assume that Herod and the Magi were accurate in their calculations of the Christmas star's first appearance, that would mean that Jesus was no older than two years. When Herod realized that he had been deceived by the Magi, he became furious. He ordered the massacre of all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had ascertained from the Magi. So, um, Jesus was, um, he was no older than two years, but he was certainly older than 40 days.
3: I see. So, uh, when, when uh, Joseph had the dream that he should flee to, e- to Egypt, that was mm-hmm. right in the cave there that he had the dream. Those, uh, maybe it was later. We don't know. Maybe it wasn't in the no, I th- it was.
1: I think. Yeah, I think it was later, and I'd have to look that one up, um, Jim. I'd have to look up when that was, but um, I believe it was later because it wasn't at the birth of Jesus that the, the Magi were not there at his birth. Um, when the Magi came, it it, it seems... Uh, that's the Feast of Epiphany when he was almost two years old, they were already out of the cave in a, in a house. There's all, so many different accounts of this, Jim, but my understanding is that the Magi were not in the cave at Bethlehem, but they came later, and he was already uh, maybe close to two years old um, in in their home, not in the cave anymore. So, I guess we could look that up for more detail, but I have I had looked it up at one point. Um, and um, uh, it, it seems that Jesus was older. when you if you look up the uh, the magi uh, uh, you'll see many, many. if you just look at it, you know, do a search on it on the internet, you'll see many images of the magi coming to worship the child and they're in a house, not in the cave. Um, so he was, he was older and it, it didn't interfere with the 40 days of purification according to the law.
3: And didn't, didn't uh, Joseph get the dream right after the shepherds departed?
1: After the shepherds departed, but I don't know if that was right after the shepherds departed. See, um, sometimes um, I can't answer you exactly on this because I don't know the exact timing, um, uh, Jim. But you know, you can go, go sometimes in scripture, and it'll, you know, for example, the the Israelites in the Old Testament, it'll say, following this, they went to such and such a land. And when you look it up, um, ten years passed between those two. So it's 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 chronology, but um, it's not reported in terms of days and hours. So it is after uh, the shepherds left, but it's also after the um, the magi came, and he was also older by then. So he was it was after forty days and younger. So I have the hiccups. Younger than two years. I'd have to look up more than that, um, uh, dear one, to get to get more exact. But um, I've looked this up, and so many reports, you could look it up and get so many different um, dates from so many reports. I don't know the accurate one, um, but I do know it was after the purification and um, after the Magi came, but prior to his being two years old.
3: Okay, thank you, mother man.
1: I can't do better. I'm so sorry, dear one. Okay, God bless you. <laughs> Excuse me for these hiccups. We'll be right back after the break.
3: What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that, and through your programs, I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross.
2: Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Hi, my name is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. I want to invite Catholic women to join us for our annual Lenten Women's Retreat with the community of St. John. This year's theme is entering into heartfelt joy. The retreat will begin with Vespers at 5.30 p.m. on Friday, March 17th, and will end with lunch on Sunday, March 19th. Father Thomas Dunton from the Community of St. John will be our priest and retreat master for the weekend. Cost is $260 per person. This includes overnight accommodations, meals, and retreat talks. Limited space is available, so register today at liturgyofthehours.org slash women's retreat. That's liturgyofthehours.org slash women's retreat. Don't be confused. The newly created human being undergoes a process throughout its development by which it carries unfamiliar names. In order of development, these names are zygote, embryo, and fetus, all of which still make it a human being. Human life is sacred. Think about it. CoalitionForLife.com
1: welcome back beloved family to mother miriam live
0: this is our last segment we have 10 minutes
1: our lines are open and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. we also have an email from joel with the same question as jim joel says when when was jesus presented in the temple If the Holy Family went to Egypt from Bethlehem, when was Jesus circumcised? Your explanation would be very appreciated. The same sort of thing, Joel. Jesus did go to Egypt from Bethlehem, but it wasn't the next day or even the next month. Jesus was presented in the temple on the 40th day, of uh, his birth for according to the law of Moses, for Mary's purification and his presentation in the temple. Um, and uh, Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day according to the law of Moses. So the Holy Mary and Jesus, Joseph, were, they were born under the law of Moses and they kept it absolutely perfectly. And God arranges all things well. So they did go to Egypt, but after all that took place, okay let's see um do we know exactly the timing i don't um and let's see um joel the end of joel's email is i listen to you every chance i get you've taught me so much god bless you god bless you too dear joel um okay let's see now um We do have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Hi, Mother, I'm sure you're familiar with the scapegoat reference in the Old Testament. Yes, Um, Jesus was our final scapegoat. Anyway, I was at a confirmation class with my candidate, as I'm her sponsor. Instead of hearing confessions in a confessional, as I am used to, the priest put on his proper vestments and got on all fours, and one by one, if they wanted to, had the candidates and their sponsors place their hand on his head, oh no. This is not kosher, and it's not Catholic. What happened with the scapegoat is that individuals would, in the Old Covenant put their hand on his head, and it was symbolic of all the sins transferring to the scapegoat, and then he was put outside the gate, ostracized, so it was symbolic that he carried our sins out of the presence of God, and that's why um again, Jesus was the final scapegoat that all our sins were put on him, and he was crucified outside the gate. But for a priest to get down on all fours like a goat and have the candidates and their sponsors place their hand on his head and he and um Uh, this person continues in their heart as they place their hand on his head they were to think of their sins and give it to him the priest we don't give our sins to the priest he is an altar christus another christ when he celebrates mass in the sacraments and he gives confession but not this way, no, no, I don't mean to be judgmental and I really wasn't watching as I had my head down but it seemed from the movement around the room that each person had their hand on the priest's head for about five to ten seconds afterwards they brought out a cake for everyone in celebration for going through the sacrament of reconciliation this has nothing to do with Catholicism, not the hand on the priest's head and not the cake um Jenny continues, I know the priest did not have the proper time to hear everyone 's confession as he was in between mass times, but I was just very uneasy about it and wanted to know the prophet Catholic Church doctrine on it, and if this was an acceptable confession, thank you very much. It was not Jenny. Um, let me just um, click on something here. Uh, father uh, uh let's see trigiglio um, Uh, has a note about communal penances. And I'm going to read this because um, I don't know if we'll have enough time, but um, it's very important. And Father says, I feel it crucial, capital letters, crucial to remind um, us, um, uh, no matter if we're a new Catholic or a seasoned Catholic, that a communal penance a communal penance service with individual one on one private confessions is totally legitimate. With one on one private confessions is totally legitimate and is in conformity with Chapter 2, Right for Reconciliation of Several Penitents, with individual confession and absolution, um, and so forth. From the Rite of Penance in the Roman Ritual, Vatican II edition. Um, and he goes on, okay. Um this being said I fully admit that there are some priests who abuse the sacrament by illicitly and sad to say even invalidly employing the third method of general confession and absolution Number 31 states that an individual integral confession and absolution remain the only ordinary way for the faithful to reconcile themselves with God in the church. We have all heard of the few miscreants um, who abuse a general absolution, as it is known, without fulfilling the requirements of canon law that it can be done only when there is an imminent danger of death, and there is no time for the priests to hear individual confessions or Or, when there is a serious necessity, as defined by the diocesan bishop, such as a number of penitents is so great that the limited number of confessors are unable to hear the individual confessions of these penitents within a suitable time, so that the penitents are forced to be deprived of sacramental grace or Holy Communion for a long time through no fault of their own. And in 961, the mere fact that there are so-called too many penitents for the priest to hear individual confessions is insufficient cause to use general absolution. In the United States, especially in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic regions, most parishes have confessions every week on Saturday afternoon. If one particular day, the number of penitents is exceptionally large, and those who are unable to confess individually can do so next week. Well, that breaks my heart, beloved. I'll tell you when I first entered the church, and I would see posted on a on an engraved plaque outside the church on the building, confessions are heard for a half hour every Saturday. I I was so embarrassed. I said, "What are you talking about? There's hundreds of people in this church, hundreds of families, one half hour on a Saturday." Aren't you embarrassed to post something like that? Confession should be heard before every single mass. And if not, several times a week. And if not, 4 hours on a Saturday. I I just was so embarrassed for anyone that wasn't Catholic to see something like that. The reason and then and then said here those who are unable to confess individually can do so next week. My goodness, hold your sin, hold confession for a week. The reason for communal, communal penance, he goes on, communal penance service is to facilitate several confessions for a large group of penitents to hear individual, uh, for a large group of penitents to hear individual confessions. Um, uh, there's... Uh, Okay, there's, it's too much. Um, too much to read here. Beloved, um, you must confess your your sins to a priest. And if there's a communal penance, um, uh, there's a form to that as well. There's a form to, con- an examination of conscience um, and a scripture reading and a homily. Um, there's a form to it. But you must go and confess your sins to a priest. And if it's mortal sin, you must confess that. You must. You cannot be uh, absolved in communal absolution, beloved. Don't wait a week. Run to the priest every day if you have sin on you, beloved. Be ready to die every night and go to heaven. God bless you. God willing, will be with you tomorrow.